Hello, my name is Sigbup, and you are listening to Miscellaneous Radio Theater 4096. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how to teach kids math uh, with Petunia. My name is Petunia. <laughs> I, I help children to develop their excitement about, about all kinds of scientific and mathematical concepts. Uh, so, and, and you sprout little engineers and mathematicians, just like you do a flower. You pour a lot of water on them. You pour a lot of, <laughs> a lot of water. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much exactly what you do. <laughs> Petunia and I sit on our couch. Uh, with a couple of microphones in hand, uh, uh, pulled from a couple of headphones that you wear around your head to talk on the internet, and uh, I've been looking forward to doing an interview with her for some time because her excitement for teaching um, seems to be very heartfelt, and uh, well, let's just listen and see what she has to say. So you are a mechanical engineer by trade, and I understand oh, you're not, also... not exactly. My my education is mechanical engineer. I, I feel I do a disservice to engineers everywhere by claiming to be a mechanical engineer by trade. It really is a lifelong training process, and I kind of chose not to go into that because I felt my, my own skills weren't really along those lines. So I decided to change my path into something that I thought I would do a better job of doing and would enjoy doing a whole lot more. Okay, cool. Cool beans. So that's teaching children, I take it. Um, yeah, I uh, actually have always really enjoyed helping my classmates. Um, that was something that I almost always did was I would help the other kids with the homework. <laughs> like it was a way of reinforcing it. it. Like it helped me develop verbal, verbal abilities and um, I think it made people accept me a little bit more. Like I felt a little uncomfortable being the smartest person in class a lot of the time and I felt like if other people felt like they were as smart as me that they would like me more. <laughs> yeah. So it was sort of a survival mechanism for me. Huh. That's kind of so interesting, to be honest with you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, well, so I started doing this mentoring program, and I worked with this really sweet uh, nine-year-old girl. I started working with her almost a year ago now, and she was she just showed so much curiosity and interest in mathematical concepts and when we started talking about what she wanted to accomplish this year she said that she was really uncomfortable with scientific concepts and I that surprised me because she has such a strong logical mind and as we started talking it just it sounded like a lot of her math classes she's just not really getting enough information or something you know it's like they aren't helping her to connect the dots between the different units that they're working on so you know she works on decimals but she's not figuring out how to how to relate that to percentages or um, she's working on fractions but she doesn't know what that means to be a decimal and a fraction at the same time she doesn't know how to express those two things um, 
And really, it's it's really important to understand the concept of the number. I mean, the number is just a symbol. Really, it's it's a, a tangible amount, and it's a way to communicate that amount. And then um, feeling more comfortable with numbers lets you manipulate it. Excuse me, manipulate it in all kinds of interesting ways. So, algebra is a tool to learn to manipulate numbers, and calculus is a tool to learn to manipulate numbers. And you use that in all kinds of ways to analyze the world around you. And you use that in biology and computer science and all kinds of other stuff. And the problem is, I mean, like children end up missing out on these vital building blocks at this young age, and they never get it back. So. Um, that's what I want to do. I want to fix that problem. Okay, cool. Um, now, the the problem that you expressed with the Yermenti, uh, do you think this is a common problem for for kids? Um, yeah, I definitely think it is. Um, and and a lot a lot of it just has to do with. Um, the way that we teach our children. I mean, we do so much memorization, but um, we aren't always doing a good job of explaining what they're really learning, the concepts that they're learning to understand. Um, most children, when they're doing times tables, aren't learning um, what three times eight really means. They're calculating an area. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they're calculating an area, but um, nobody really explains to a child what that means, and then we expect them to be able to read a story problem and figure out what kind of math they need to do to solve it. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm. So, would you go so far as to say that uh, there isn't, children aren't learning the language of math? that makes sense. Children exactly. aren't learning to communicate math, but rather they're learning this is how you find this of this, but they're not learning exactly. the underlining exactly. underlying and symbology the, of it. Yeah, and, um, and the problem is that a lot of the time they don't even understand the question. So, you know, if a student, if a child doesn't understand the question in the first place, how do you expect them to give you the right answer? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's just like Getting them to develop this um, curiosity in a way to relate to the world around them in a, in a way that uses numbers. So it's just kind of learning a different language. You know, I mean, we use um, English to kind of communicate our cultural values and that kind of thing to one another, and we need to figure out how to do more math communication. <laughs> I, uh, I um, don't know how it was for you, but it seemed everyone that I knew was deathly afraid of math. Yeah. Except for the, the few people, but they, they were the dorks, and everyone really, <laughs> like, they were abnormal in the sense right. that the majority of people right. seemed to be afraid of math. Yeah, yeah, almost everybody was afraid of math. I, um, I wasn't one of those people, and, um, and I guess... I'm I'm just really lucky in that way. I I keep moving my microphone um, oh, away okay. from away from my or I keep moving my mouth. It's hard for me to stay still. Um, and I think that's part of the problem is like you're you're sitting kids in front of a chalkboard and showing them a bunch of numbers and saying one plus one equals two, two plus two equals three. Like that's just the wrong way to teach a child to do anything, you know, I mean, you need to put sticks in front of them and say, what happens if you count two sticks, you know, and then 
you know, put the sticks together, but tell me how many you think it's going to be, and then how many is it? You know, that's how to teach a child how to add two plus two. It's not to write it on a chalkboard. Are you saying it's too... Our approach is too abstract for for kids. that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. What's... uh, Why do you think it's so abstract? Why do you think... um, We haven't been approaching this in more of a textile way with children. It would seem fairly obvious that you would have to do that with any sort of anything that you want to teach. Yeah, I I think that it's just that a lot of cognitive dissonance has built up. Um, And uh, were we all like attacked by numbers when we were um, in like a previous life? Was the no the mobile above your crib did it fall down and it had numbers on it you're like oh no a five i think definitely afraid of fives for the rest of your life you know i think if i answer this question i'm going to turn into an anti-establishmentarianist or something i'm not even really sure what that means um and i and i think it's just a disestablishmentarianist okay yes what's wrong with that well what's your okay before Oh, what's your answer? Um, well, I just think that uh, the institution of education kind of sprung up without us really thinking about the different dynamics that actually existed in society and um, to consider that in our approach to how we were teaching our children. Yeah. Um, a Victorian thought was very supportive of rational thought, and children tend to be very irrational, rational thought processes and behaviors are something that people have to learn in order to engage themselves in polite human society. Um, And uh, Victorians just thought that, you know, children were, you know, little better than wild animals and Mm. that, you know, that they were to be seen and not heard and they would, you know, beat them and do all kinds of things to remind them that they were to be subjugated you know what I mean so are you saying that we're relatively um, new at teaching children we're new at looking at teaching from the perspective of how children learn Mm. rather than what we think of their horrible horrible behavior and adults learn differently you would presume um yeah Uh, I've actually found that my teaching methods do not work Past a certain age, <laughs> past a certain age, they just frustrate and annoy, <laughs> which is part of the reason why I want to work with children. Um, yeah, uh, I think that I mean part of it is just that it becomes a lot more difficult to learn um, at really at a really young age. Children are, I mean, they're like sponges; they're curious about everything. And if you'll give them an open-ended assignment, they'll really blossom into it and get very, very excited about it. Um, I, When I was a child, I loved to experiment. I mean, I liked to make my own shampoo and conditioner and, you know, do little chemistry projects that way. And yes. I, was, I was lucky enough to have, you know, um, a mom who kind of made my development her job and she would call the school and nag them into getting me into special programs and stuff and you know a lot of people don't have that to offer their kids so I'm gonna do it for them.
<laughs> Would you say that uh, we generally, as um, a society, as, as we as a, a people, um, kind of having a collective knowledge about certain things, uh, knowledge about teaching and things like this, mm -hmm. do you think that hmm, our knowledge we have of how humans learn, how kids learn, mm -hmm is adequate, but then it's the teaching establishment that uh, doesn't allow this to happen? Or do you think it's inadequate? You know, it's, it's really funny because um, most of what I'm learning is the most effective thing to do. And, um, and I'm basing this on the um, training that I got when I started out this mentoring program. We, we did a two-day training. Um, where we got started to think about um, what a child needs in order to be in a healthy learning environment and how to meet those needs. You know, I mean, obviously, a lot of a lot of children need things that are out of our control. But if we can meet the needs in that instance, and you know, in some of the ways that they do this in this program is they give them something to eat. You know, so they're not hungry because being hungry will make a child act out just like it makes me a little grouchy and probably you too um and uh and then like working one-on-one -on -one with an adult also helps them very much um everybody kind of develops a relationship with you know there's a mentor mentee relationship that develops between the two people that um is really pretty special i think mm. um and Uh, excuse me. And then the other thing you learn to do is um, to ask them questions. You get them to learn to voice their own opinions. Um, because what uh, children and really everybody in the world is really looking for is to for someone to listen to them and be heard. Yeah. Um, for someone to ask the meaningful questions to get them to think about themselves and their role in the world and how they want to play it out. Um, so all of, all of this, I mean, asking the children meaningful questions. Oh, and then I also read a book and I think that it was Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. I know it was a book by Malcolm Gladwell anyway, pretty, pretty sure. Okay. Um, but he was <laughs> describing, um, the way, uh, he, uh, observed a, a Japanese math classroom and they were, working in a completely different way from the way that our math classrooms are taught. How are they working? Um, well, they had a child at the chalkboard trying to solve a math problem while everybody in the class shouted suggestions or just encouragement. So he's like trying to figure out how to solve this problem. He doesn't understand the question. He's trying to figure out this algebra problem with the support of his classmates rather than having the teacher explain how to solve this problem it's like the child is figuring it out himself and everybody's learning together um, and uh, so I to me like it seems like math would be a lot better if you were working with other people and supporting each other into finding your answers rather than like ranking versus like with tests and that kind of thing like it um, forces a really intimidating environment and people who are a little more bashful about doing math um, well they get scared right out of it so um, 
yeah, that's kind of a problem because the bashful people might be really smart mathematicians. So um, that's kind of uh, the role that I'm kind of hoping to play, to find the shy people and uh, help them to understand that math isn't so scary. Mm, I see. Are you also um, placing yourself as the person who should find means for kids to teach each other about math as um, well? I, well, I just think it's, it's really helpful for people to learn that they can support each other into uh, having success. Um, in yeah. a lot of ways, our society makes people think that they're fighting for their own good and um, not to help other people and um, you know I mean like we're forgetting how to maintain our friendships that way you know it's like we we really need people to survive but um, commercials are trying to teach us that all we really need is Pizza Hut or something you know yeah it seems like uh, you personally uh, you said you had it when you were a kid, you would tutor people with, uh, yeah. with their homework, um, and you said it was as a means to not be kind of outcast as a smart <laughs> kid, yeah. right? But well, it seems like you probably have conditioned yourself to um, realize that you need help from one another in order to do things correctly, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's that, and then I also just... Um, I guess I always sort of understood that even though I seem to be a lot better at math than other people, like a lot of other people were much better than I was at other things, and it just seemed like there was something really appropriate about that, you know, but that um, even if even if you're a better writer than you are uh, an accountant, um, it's still good if you understand a little bit of math. So um, that's kind of what I'm hoping to encourage people. Do you think the teacher teachers are intimidated by by math themselves? Yeah, they really are. I um I went to this seminar a couple weeks ago and the goal of the seminar was to teach elementary educators how to teach um, elementary school students engineering concepts because apparently this is going to be added to no child left behind or maybe it's a state requirement I'm not entirely sure but um, I went to the seminar and I was so excited because I'm an engineer and I was thinking wow you know like we're gonna do like really neat engineering projects all day long and yeah, I was so really super excited exciting. like engineering projects for kids it sounds so fun and then and I and I go and I go to the seminar, and it's a bunch of exhausted, beleaguered elementary education teachers who are like, I don't even know what an engineer is. How am I supposed to teach engineering concepts to my students? Like, I can see every single one of them panicking inside of their heads. And I just, I was so frustrated. I wanted to shake my fist at everybody and, and shout, this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, like, after that day, I... Um, came back and uh, was trying to help my student with um, her fractions and it turns out she doesn't even know how to do division. It's like they're trying to get her to learn all these fractions and she doesn't know how to divide two numbers. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that was kind of 
what really made me want to become an educator because I feel like um, I've worked with so many people on how to understand different subjects. I mean, like, it wasn't just math. Like, I'd help people with everything, chemistry or English or whatever needed help with, you know? And, and like, the thing is, is that if you can relate a concept that a person doesn't understand is something that they're already interested in and passionate about, you can get someone to understand anything. So, you know, it's like stoichiometry, which in chemistry is, um, is the concept of balancing a chemical equation. So, um, that's how you figure out, uh, how much of these three different ingredients chemically are required to make these two outputs. And, um, I related that to music because that was the one thing this guy in my high school chemistry class <laughs> understood, you know, but it was like, do you, you understand need, it? Well, you need to, yeah, it's like you need to have this many notes in a measure and you need to have this many notes in a measure and it's the same thing. Yeah, that's hilarious. No offense <laughs> or anything. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, you can do that with all kinds of different things. And, and like, that's what I want to do is to, um, you know, I mean, four days out of the week we do uh, math concepts, but we do math games, you know. I mean, like, to help my student understand fractions, I uh, had this spinny wheel game, and she spins the wheel, and she makes her fraction based on where the arrow ends up. The numerator ends up Ooh. one place, and then the denominator ends up one place. Yeah. And, um, it's and a so, pretty good game, it sounds like. Yeah, it's so simple, you know, but they, they didn't have anything like this. And um, so she calculates the fraction, and then she figures out what the decimal is, and then she gives herself that many cents. Yeah. And um, like all the kids really enjoy playing it because they really like to play with the money. We we all laughed about the phrase that says "not legal tender." The, ah. <laughs> the one the one student asked um, wh what that meant, and I said that means that if you took it to the store, that they would laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I remember getting kicked out of that for Monopoly money. To be honest with you, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why exactly. Like, I just realized like that somehow uh, they're legally required to stamp that on their fake yeah. money. <laughs> well, is that anybody would think that that is real money? Although there is that scene in The Wire where the guy takes Monopoly money and then with his twenty dollar bill, it's okay. But hmm. that's television. Don't believe the TV kids. Yeah. No kids. No. Don't believe the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any kids will be. Maybe there will I, be. I, adults don't believe the TV. One thing that like, um. You aren't gonna back me up on that. Kind of. No, don't believe the. <laughs> don't believe the TV. Uh, one thing I've I've noticed. This is kind of stepping back in the conversation a little bit, but even with adults, like uh, I got in this. I don't want to say argument. I got in this conversation with someone. And heated conversation. That's how I like to remember. A heated that. conversation. <laughs> and I was, I was, I, I had a point, and he had a point. And I would express, I would listen to his point. I express my point, and then he didn't. I don't think I was listening to his point exactly, and I don't think he thought that I was listening to his point. So I wouldn't be able to express my point without him going back to his point. Mm -hmm. And so, like just 
to stop and say, I see what you're saying. You're saying this, and you're saying this, and that's very problematic because he's saying this is very problematic because of this and this and this. I'm saying that is very unfortunate, but we can do this. And so like that reiterating of what people are saying I think is fairly helpful, uh, probably for children as well as adults. Mm -hmm. Just you are listening to them, you know exactly what they're saying. Right, yeah, one of the... And this is what I'm saying. Right, yeah, one of the, um, one of the concepts is um, to facilitate a classroom discussion you have an open-ended subject and, and the way that they taught it to us was we looked at a painting and um, the first thing you say is um, what what is going on in this picture and I mean like and you can adapt that phrase in a lot of different ways but um, it's important not to limit it to what you see um, the presenter said that at a certain age um, children start to develop their own opinions about things and then they can tell you more than just what they see but um, if you ask what they see they're going to tell you what they see so rather than so rather than telling you oh well I see this woman and she's doing and she's walking on the street like you're gonna say you're going to hear them say well I see a hat I see a dog I see a cart you know you aren't going to hear a narrative as much um, so uh, the, the first question is what is going on in this picture and then the second question uh, oh and then the second aspect is to basically repeat back what the person said to say okay so you're saying this and then a ask them um, what makes you say that so that they give some kind of justification and then um, the third piece is to ask if ask what else other people notice in the picture so um, that's a way to um, help the person who's speaking feel validated and also help everyone else to feel that um, there's still more to see in the picture that this person hasn't necessarily given the correct interpretation of what's in the painting or whatever yeah it's a very healthy way to have a conversation about a painting Isn't that nice so yeah. yeah so I mean like so I've tried to change the way that I interact with people to ask more of those questions. Um, when you get very far. Like I have too. Yeah. I'm pretty. I wouldn't say recently, but within the last few it years, it really helps communication. Really a lot. helps communication. A lot. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that uh, they they counsel against is to is to not use any questions that start with why, um, because there's an implied judgment. Mm. Um, so it, it tends to make people feel defensive, um, whereas, you know, they may have a perfectly logically, logical reason for thinking that they, the way that they do or like, acting the way that they do. Like, what do you mean? Like, well, why do you think this? Is that what right. you're saying? Right, like saying, why do you think that? Like, yeah. do, you, do you see how my, my brow automatically throws itself? <laughs> like, well, why would you ever think that, you know? And I and I did I did have an English teacher in high school who employed a method that was very similar to this one. And we had great conversations, and every once in a while, someone would bring up a theme in a book that she hadn't previously explored, and you could see her pause and kind of evaluate it in her head, like, she was thinking, wow, oh, does that really even make sense to me? And then she would say, well, what makes you say that? And then they would give their explanation, and it kind of increased everyone's interpretation of the book a little bit, you know what I mean? Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, I've really seen how that can be a very effective way to have a really good discussion, and, um, 
I just I think that does a really good job of reinforcing people's own knowledge and awareness. I mean, like that's kind of one of the things that I think people really enjoy about the I report and that kind of thing that's on CNN now, where people, I mean, you people roll their eyes. What's the I report? Oh, okay. CNN has started taking. Um, reporting from everyday citizens. So people will film themselves doing this or that or the other thing. It's basically a recognition of the concept that media outlets are pretty much obsolete at this point. You know, it's like anybody can take a camera, go out and take some film and put it on the internet. Yeah. And probably reach almost as many people as CNN.com. Potentially, you know, I mean, depending on how viral it gets. I mean, Pretty think about cool. think about the people. Years. Think about the people who made that kitten, the giggle kitten, the tickling kitten. Have you seen that? We're gonna have to look at the tick, the, the tickle kitten in a minute. All right. It's super duper cute. <laughs> it's it's. I I I won't do it because we're recording and it's a visual thing, but. It's like oh the yeah the the per they they reenacted the tickle kitten or the kitten but the goes. real. But the real one. The real one. There's a real one. I know there's a real like one. Like with the real kitten. Yeah, I've that seen really the, does it. Have I've you seen, seen the, the real. Kitten? I've seen the real one first. Okay, get him. Yeah, it is pretty cute. It's it's really. Cute. It's it's impossible to be upset at all when that's happening. Yeah, it really is. It's so funny. It's so funny. If but you ever get I in mean, a but, heated okay, but conversation with someone, <laughs> that would be a good I know, means I know to, to completely end it. Tickle kitten. They'll watch it for a couple minutes and forget what we're talking about. What were we talking about? <laughs> no, seriously, what were we talking about? Um, well, I was saying that, you know, the owners of that kitten, they're probably just, you know, some people in Ohio or something. You know what I mean? Like, So CNN is doing this thing. Where right, they're... like just like taking submissions from people all over. And, and part of it is like curiosity about like hurricane victims and that kind of thing like they just they want to hear from actual people and um i think like people are starting to recognize that um that's who they really want to hear from they don't want to hear from someone like oh well i'm standing right here and it looks real crappy you know like yeah looking at the radar these guys are up <laughs> like you know they don't want to hear from that person they want to hear from the people who are inside of the houses like trying to survive this stuff you know what i mean yeah um but these days with the internet like as long as they've got a wi-fi signal they can pretty much do it themselves so i mean like citizen journalism I mean, let's make it happen, people. You can do it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's the only way we're ever going to get some truth out there, because uh, media is owned by huge corporate conglomerations. And huge, sort of... Huge corporate conglomerations. In relation to teaching, I forgot her train of thought, but were you saying that um, this... I, I want to empower people, and I think yeah. I think that teaching is a tool to give people power, mm. because, because people are more powerful than they think, but um, the difficulty is time, and unfortunately we have so many distractions these days that um, everyone's forgetting to think about how little time they have to really accomplish what they want to do in their lives. So, um, yeah, I mean, every day goes by and it's a day less yeah. that we have. 
Why do you think math is because especially a problem? Um, math is objective, and you can communicate it very simply to anyone. It's a way to rebuild our civilization, no matter what happens. Yeah. Everyone needs to know math. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's not being taught properly. It's not being listened to properly. It's not... Mm -mm. People aren't involving no, math in their life. Don't, people don't respect how much math can contribute to their quality of life. And yeah. I think that a lot of it has to do with um, television and marketing. It's the same thing with... I personally feel it's the same thing with the computer. Um... Just, um, for, for instance, like, um, well, I don't know, it seems like people, the, the computer, the way it's being taught nowadays is it's being mystified, like math is being mystified. Maybe not in the same way that math is being mystified, but uh, a computer is becoming this mysterious box that has some sort of dark magic in Leave it. Leave it to the experts. Yeah. Leave it to the experts. But... The experts didn't build the computer. The experts, like, a, a lot of computer stuff is, has a yeah. history with right. people. I was really interested to find out that Bill Gates was a poser who, like, stole everyone else's ideas. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. He's worshipped by the media, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like he's this god because he came up with Windows. But it's kind of sad <laughs> listening to uh, We Together We Watched. Earlier we watched this video, uh, and I forget the name of the person who wrote the logo, but uh, you guys know logo, right? Logo was this teaching language that was developed in the 70s, I think it was, or something like that. And um, it was a computer language to teach kids, and uh, what a cool concept, teaching kids computer languages. Totally cool. Yeah, people don't think that way anymore today. You can't teach kids computer languages. Seriously, what are you talking about? they're like, about? children are stupid. Don't you know? Exactly. Children are stupid. Yeah. Because, because we've, like, lost the ability to meet a child's needs. And it's like, and I just feel like all of, okay, everybody who's, like, laid off and doesn't have anything to do, go volunteer in a classroom. Like, contribute your knowledge Every single day. Like, every day you're not using your knowledge and sharing it with people is a wasted day. Mm. So, time's a-wasting. Yeah. Hackers. This is who I'm talking to, right? Yeah, that, this is exactly Hello, who Hello, hackers. To. It's Petunia. This is your conscience speaking. <laughs> you should log out of that website. Yeah. Turn off quit, the porn. Quit the... <laughs> Quit uh, <laughs> typing read the fucking manual in the IRC <laughs> chat room to the newbies. Have you, have you heard have you heard, heard JFGI? JFGI. Just fucking Google it. No. <laughs> just fucking Google it. <laughs> I well, say I, the, I say just F Google. That's what I, I say. I think the hacker community um is very welcome to teaching people. Yeah, there, I mean, like, there is a little bit of an elitism that I think a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, but it's not so bad. I mean, like, if you go to any sort of hacker con, people there are just really friendly. I mean, there's yeah. there's some elitist yeah, people, but the people who are too elitist usually don't know what they're talking about. Right. I've noticed. Yeah, so. they're yeah they're bragging to hide their lack of ability. 
Awkward. <laughs> awkward. We just called you out. Awkward. Anyway, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I'm getting so crazy over here. Uh, yeah, like, um, hanging out with teachers is a really happy experience, too. It's like everybody wants to communicate and, and yeah. share strategies and stuff, so. What's it like hanging out with teachers? Uh, it's really, really geeky. It's really geeky. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my friend Sarah, who I was hanging out with yesterday, is an educator, actually, and, um, I could tell because she had all of these <laughs> eyeshadows that she was sharing or giving away, right? And so I picked out the ones that I wanted, and she pulled out all these tiny little plastic baggies, and she labeled them with stickers so that I'll know what they're all called so that I can order them from the website later. Like, Aww. that is what an educator's work looks like. Very organized and well-labeled. Mm. You learn to take notes. I've noticed that there are certain type of people who I am... Like Maury, for instance. You guys don't know Maury, of course, but there, there are certain personalities I think kids are drawn to, and I think adults are drawn to as well. That uh, There's a certain warm, inviting sort of personality that some people have. Yeah. Where you just want to, like, <laughs> you know, like, they will be kind and they will share things with you. Right, yeah, definitely. So I think that's important. Yeah, Maury is a really special individual, and I think the, the program that I got involved with, I got so lucky, I mean, it's just such a great program, and um, I'm learning a ton, and I I just, I really hope that I can share it and export so much of my knowledge to other people, so I can help as many people as possible. As far as uh, teaching in general is concerned, and the future of teaching, mm -hmm. what needs to change? What is what are we doing um, that's good? Well, we but what also needs to we just need to open change. up open it up a lot more. I don't want to I don't want to hate on teachers. Teachers are some of the hardest working people in the world. Um, we just need to open it up a lot more. It's like we got so limited um, because of like the idea of no child left behind. Um, and let me just complain about no child left behind for one second here. Okay, so we have take all the time you want. Okay, all right, thanks. Okay, so we have this we have this law that our venerable W passed a few years ago called No Child Left Behind. And this law states that in order to determine that children are indeed learning the things that we are trying to teach them in class, we are going to test them and if they don't fail if they I'm sorry, if they do not pass this test with a high enough percentage of the children in their school passing this test, we will close their school. Yeah. Does that sound motivating or what? Um, okay. that sounds threatening. It sounds horrible. The idea of closing a school because they aren't able to get their children's test scores up to par is just the most ludicrous thing for the children. I mean, we are trying to teach the children here, right? Yeah. We aren't trying to punish the teachers. We aren't trying to punish the, the like, neighborhood. We're trying to teach children, and if we're going to teach children, we need to look at how we're teaching them and whether there's a way that we can change it to be more effective. You know, if we aren't having success, then maybe we aren't doing it quite right. But I don't think closing the school is ever really the right answer. You know what I mean? So um, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to demonstrate success with my method and um, then to be able to export it to as many places as possible. Um, you know, I there, there really isn't any reason why 
um, all of the teachers in the country are scrambling to come up with ways to meet their children's needs. I mean, we've been teaching first graders for hundreds of years. It should be simpler, simpler by now. Mm. So, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about, like, socializing education. I'm just talking about, like, coming up with really effective ways to teach children across cultural barriers, language barriers, you know, mathematical barriers, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. just like getting getting it to be like simple, playful, and exploratory because that way we're tapping into what children are already really, really good at and passionate about. The more ways we can get them up and moving, um, the fewer times that we're sitting them in rows of seats and having to take notes from a projector, I mean, it's just, that's not for elementary school students. That's just not something that, that they're going to be good at doing. So I want to change the way we look at education. It's, uh, it seems, uh, teaching to me seems kind of like a, I don't want to call it a craft exactly, but it seems sort of for someone who is a teacher kind of you have to take a lot of, there's a lot of time that you have to take and a lot of trial and error for you to understand how to teach. Yeah, the way that I'm really going to try and approach it is um, to tell my students that uh, they're actually going to be teaching me how to teach fourth graders math. <laughs> hmm. That's um, cute. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, kids. <laughs> I'm I'm the one who's really learning today. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm really I'm really excited about um, what I'm going to be trying to do. I've always thought that would be like kind of like I don't know when I sort of um when I sort of envision myself teaching kids, I uh, kind of envision myself doing it in a way where I am someone who can suggest things, but like. I kind of want to be surprised, like maybe they'll, like, no, like, here, this right. is how I do it, I'm going to teach you, teach me how to do it better, like, maybe they'll come up with some sort of yeah, yeah. way to do like, something better. That's that's one of the um, teaching methods that I learned at one of my seminars that I think is going to be really powerful, is, um, and, and that's... Uh, you know, I think maybe it is Malcolm Gladwell, because um, he has this book called Blink about um, how to tap into your intuition, and yeah. um, that's kind of one of those things, is like getting, uh, figuring out a way to suggest the answer to the child in a way that they're figuring out the answer for themselves is the real trick to teaching. Mm. So I'm hoping to facilitate that in a lot of really open-ended ways. Okay. Do you think um, teaching as a, teaching as a profession in general could use sort of more standardized uh, a more standardized methodology a more yeah that's, true that's to what I'm talking about is like coming up with um, how people actually learn models and representative more. symbols I mean like I have this idea for a series of posters that really demonstrate what addition subtraction and multiplication yeah. and division are in terms of um, gridded squares uh, because I think that a lot of people just really don't understand the concept um, and I think that that's kind of what causes the problem with, you know, where people aren't sure how to figure out how to budget and stuff, you know? I mean, like, you can do all of that very simply with the use of Excel, but um, if you don't know 
the basics of like tallying the stuff you're adding, tallying the stuff you're subtracting, you know, if that is too abstract for you, then you're really going to struggle with a whole lot of different problems later in life. Yeah. I am... Um, it's unfortunate that teaching isn't a scientific study. Like, uh, kind right. of... Yeah, I mean, like, that's what I'm... That's what I'm... It's, it's starting to be, though. It's like there yeah. are starting to be, like, um, cognitive people who are interested in... Um, the the field of may so interrupt this is go for it. way far fetched right but the the field of artificial intelligence has been stagnant for years and years and years and the term artificial intelligence itself I have a problem with because artificial and it it doesn't doesn't work out our the goal of it is not right and I think what a cool goal for artificial intelligence research especially with a with the development of quantum computers, hopefully in the future, which will solve like all search complexity problems and sort of push the artificial intelligence work forward a little bit. But uh, I think the goal should not be to make a computer that can think. I think the goal should be to figure out how our brains learn, know exactly yeah, how our brains I, learn. I'm have a model of how our brains were I, learned. I wrote, I wrote a, a short story about a futuristic colony on the moon, and one of the concepts was that um, learning happened not by sitting in a classroom, but you would go to a place where they would put a silicone implant in a particular memory center of your brain, yeah. and you would be able to access it like a hard drive. Pretty, Pretty sweet, late, right? yeah. Um, on the moon, things tapped into your brain. Moon. Okay. <laughs> Do you mind if we pause this interview though, because Lava is just about to start? <laughs> <laughs> we can close it. I think we're. Do you want to be done? I think we're done. I I could talk more, so I I'll leave it open ended. But we okay. have about. 10 seconds to start watching Leverage before my window closes. What was your handle again? We're, I'm going to edit this up. Petunia signing off. Wait, hold on. Alright, well thank you, Petunia, for for your thoughts on for your thoughts on teaching. Hey, you know, anytime you would like to have me back, I'll bend your ear lots more about how other people are doing it wrong. Okay. It's one cool. of my favorite subjects. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.